from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I am the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and I am here with Michelle Stucker, our awesome producer, and Dion Simpkins, who got the quiz right last time. Woohoo! <laughs> and, and if it's Thursday at noon Eastern time, we are live and taking your questions all hour at one eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You can also send questions on Twitter at bizradio111. We would love to hear from you. So it's fall and that means time for change fall is my favorite season and I think this is a great time now that that summer's over and the kids are going back to school to really take a look at your career and say okay what do I need to do to get this in order so that I'm not blindsided when things change or when the market changes or maybe you just want to do something new and now's the time you're getting the energy so to help us with that topic we welcome back Julie Cohen Julie is an executive coach and the CEO of Work Life Leader, a professional development program for emerging and developing leaders. She is also the author of Your Work, Your Life, Your Way, Seven Keys to Work-Life Balance, as well as writing monthly columns on career and work-life balance for the Huffington Post, Working Mother, and the Philadelphia Business Journal. Welcome back, Julie. Thank you, Dawn. It's always great to be here with you. So this is an exciting topic because I know you have a um, 12-month leadership development program called Work-Life Leader, and you're kind of getting to the, the end of the first session of that. So so this is an appropriate appropriate discussion about change and how that, even if you're not looking for a job or thinking about making a career change, how you always have to be tending to your career. So can you tell us a little bit about that program and how it impacts people's career long term? Well, career management and career effectiveness, I believe, is a lifelong process. And so one of the components of our program is looking at both professional effectiveness and professional path. And those are concepts that I think every Every person who is employed and wants to continue to be employed needs to invest in. Am I working the way I want to be working? Am I using my strengths the way I want to be? Uh, And am I on the trajectory that I want to be going in? And I really do believe that um, companies are unpredictable. And I know people chase this idea of security, But I will tell you this, security does not exist in a company. It only exists one place, and that's in yourself, in your skills and keeping up with the market and keeping up with your network. So today is all about how you can get back into that routine now that it's fall and make sure you're tending to your career and if you're in a job search, your job search so that you're not blindsided and you stay in control. We're taking our calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942. 7866. So if you've got a question, give us a call right now. So Julie, do you have any fall kind of habits that you use to to kind of tend to your career? Well, I find fall is is a good time for reflection as we're approaching the end of one year and the beginning of a new one. So it's a great time to look at 
progress. How have things been going? How satisfied am I with my work? How satisfied am I with my work-life balance? How effective am I? Am I on the path I want to be going? Am I happy with my salary? To really ask some big questions, uh, to think about, you know, a performance review might be coming up, so it might be time to have conversations. You might also want to assess your network, both If you're currently employed, are you talking to the right people so they know what you want next? And if you're thinking about searching for a new position, have I been staying in touch with people that may be able to help me if in three, six, or 12 months, I may want to be looking for something else? Hey, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Julie Cohen. It's fall, and we are talking all about how to manage your career so that you can be as successful as possible. We're taking your calls all throughout the hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Omar in California. Omar, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi. Hi. So I'm a physician in... uh been a physician for a while and I'm transitioning into administration um, and so I, I'm taking an MBA right now and I have sort of two uh, questions. One is just in general um, are, are there things that I should be thinking about? Are there sort of uh, anything that you can help me with there? And then also specifically I have an opportunity to be a chief medical information officer or to stay in my current position which is more sort of operations and I'm wondering if my goal is to be a chief medical officer, or COO, CEO one day, it would one of those two sort of be a better path to be taking? Okay, so where are you in your MBA program, Omar? I'm one year in now. You're one year in. Okay. And um, are you doing this part-time or full-time? Uh, I'm doing it full-time but online. So I sort of have, uh, you know, two full-time jobs right now. And tell us the inspiration for deciding to go get your MBA. I know you want to change from from being a practicing physician to administration, but but specifically, what was your idea when you were going into this program? Well, the, the way it all sort of started was that I wanted to hedge against the risk of um, just the loss of money and the loss of autonomy that is happening in medicine. Um, and so I, I bridged into administration made a lot of contacts, did some what I felt was good within the organization, got a lot of support. And what I was told was to continue to go on in this and to maybe be able to get into the higher levels of, you know, C-suite type of organization that uh, I'd need some type of training and sort of signaling through an MBA that I'm willing to do that and I'm willing to sort of dive into this, I guess. Okay, so your initial your initial thought about going into this program was was to, um, you recognize the market was changing and you're like, I have to do something. And I think that's a really smart thing to do. A lot of people kind of put head down and say, you know, I'm good at what I do. I'm, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing and my, my boss thinks I'm great and, you know, life is going to be great. But the market is constantly changing. So kudos to you for taking a look at that. So now what I'm thinking is, we need to start focusing on where you're going and what is going to energize you. So when you think about being um, a COO or a CMO, what energizes you about that position? I, I guess the ability to make real change. I am, I am very worried about uh, the COO that I see right now works a ton of hours. And so one of the things is would I thought going from, position to administration, I'd actually be able to be home more often. 
and I'm a little worried that's not going to happen. But the in terms of just work, it's the ability to make things happen, the ability to be at that level where you're sort of able to touch the entire organization. What happens a lot with physicians is they want to make the change. They maybe have a good idea, but they don't ever feel like they can actually make that change happen. And so that's a big part of why I wanted to sort of get more involved on the administrative side. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree with your point about um, being home (laughs) more often. That's probably not going to be the case. I think anytime you're at a C-suite level, that's really difficult to do. And Julie's the the queen of work-life balance. So she's over here nodding. Well, and, and so I can comment on, well, a couple things, you know, Omar, you asked the question, you know, what is the best path to get me to where I want to go? And I think that needs to happen as you start pursuing those paths, you know, depending on the organization. Are you, are you, would you be staying in the same organization you're in or would you be looking to change organizations? Well, yeah, my plan was to finish the MBA, get as much experience as I could in my organization, and then just sort of shop myself and see, you know, that I live in a very – you know, San Diego, it's a very tough place to, to make a living and live. So other cities, other organizations, um, and just see what, what's out there and available. But I do have a lot of really strong support within my organization. So I think it's sort of 50-50 that I would stay or, or move on in the next five years. So I think the, the, a couple things you may want to consider, both from the career path standpoint as well as the work-life balance standpoint, is you want to be interviewing the organizations as much as they're interviewing you get really clear on you know what your limits are you know you in that conversation as you become a more viable candidate for certain positions you know, you can start inquiring and and testing the water what is the culture like what are the expectations like and you know even in the C suite you know there are opportunities for you to create you know, an environment that is supportive of some of your work-life balance preferences. So, so I believe it's a conversation that can happen. It shouldn't necessarily be the first conversation, uh, but as you are looking and exploring different possibilities, I would tie it to you know the excitement and energy that Dawn just mentioned, as well as be really clear on your your values and the limits that you're willing to, you know, to, to sustain, you know, what are, how are you willing to work and what is a deal breaker and, and be clear on that as you investigate and, you know, engage in your interview process and an informational interview process. So Omar, there's a couple of different ways people make changes. Um, One job to another where they're doing similar function. Uh, Then there's the doing a similar function, but moving to a different industry. And then there's doing a different function And then there's changing everything, which is probably the most difficult change you can make. But what I hear you saying, um, I do believe, based on the limited information we've been talking about today, that it is easier to make a functional change within your current organization because you've built trust, you've proven yourself, you've demonstrated that that you're a results kind of guy. And then, you know, so they're going to give you those opportunities. The challenge with that is, um, you know, getting them to see you differently because they're constantly going to want to pull you back into what you were doing. But I still think that your plan about getting experience where you are now and then moving into the next step is probably what's going to be the easier path for you. Again, depends on your network, depends on, um, it sounds like your company's super supportive, which is great. So that would be, that would be my recommendation is to go that path. And the other great thing about 
staying with your organization. Again, you've already proven yourself in different ways so that that work-life balance might be a little bit easier as Julie's talking about because you can negotiate some some parameters around that. So Omar, congratulations on your MBA. We really appreciate you listening and calling Career Talk. Hey, if you're catching us Thursday at noon, we're taking your calls live at one eight four four Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. So Julie, I got an email and I'd love your I'd love your opinion on this because I think this is a really big impact to your career. So, dear Don, I need some career guidance. I recently had an interview with a great company, and while I'm very interested in the role, I've learned through my network that the person who would be my direct boss had three direct reports leave in the last year. So the hiring manager seems to be smart but has a reputation for being aggressive should i take the job just to get my foot in the door thanks vicky what do you what do you think julie well so did, did she tell you where has she has she been has she given the offer has she gotten the offer um no not yet okay you know so <laughs> I, I, well so there, you know as so as we know it, yeah i was just gonna say there's two sides to this story you know, looking at what she wants from the position, what was her name again? I'm sorry. Vicky. Vicky. So, you know, I think I would ask Vicky to really understand what she is leaving and what she's moving towards. If this is, I must leave this position and this is an opportunity, I would want to have that discussion after we got the offer to to talk about what are the expectations. And I always encourage people, whether it's starting a new project or starting a new role, um, or you know a whole new company to have a clear expectations conversation. You know within that first week of a new job, it, you know if your boss does not facilitate it, go to that boss and say I want to talk about how you can get the best out of me, and I want to know how I can get give you the best of what you need, where you can have a potentially you know tricky conversation at the beginning where you understand what he or she wants and then you know he or she understands what how to best manage you and so you know even if she's concerned moving in with a you know a potentially you know bristly direct manager I don't think it has to be a deal breaker until she engages with that person I'd want to understand even her vibe during the interview process and to pay attention to how that person relates to her so, Julie, I always appreciate that you you can you have the ability to look at things from all perspectives because I'm like Vicky, run, ah! run, <laughs> run, and don't look. Back. Yeah, no, I, I think it's more whole. You you have to look holistically. I mean, if she has a plethora of options, and you know she's very comfortable with her status quo, yes, don't put yourself from you know the fire to the frying pan. And yet, if she's leaving something, you know, she may be moving and there's financial constraints and she needs to do this. You know, we don't have the full story. And so I believe there are opportunities to, to make things work. You know, I'd want to understand what she's leaving and what she's moving towards. So, yeah, of course, there's there's definitely a lot of the story that we don't know. But here's what I will say. People leave managers. They don't leave jobs. And there's been a number of studies, Vicki, that show 
that people are willing to um, forego more money in their paycheck to get a better boss. And here's the thing. If you're looking for a long-term career at an organization, your boss can make or break you because they, they're the ones who promote you, support you, connect you to the right people, give you the right opportunities. So I think you really need to think about all of these different pieces. You may be able to get your foot in the door but if this person stifles you or gets in your way or is is jealous of you and and you know makes your life miserable then you become number 4 direct report to leave the company so i would give this some serious thought before moving forward with this and don i agree with that the thought and you know if if there's some opportunities to learn more about the overall organizational culture and you know how those relationships work i would do that one final thing is these are three people that have left so if you're getting your data from them ask if you can speak to some other members that are currently working with that person. So, you know, I, I definitely have had clients who, you know, have had great relationships with um, with people that, you know, not everyone does. And so I, I hear what you're saying, Dawn. I affirm 100%. And there's, there's always... Uh, there's always ways to potentially check out other ways. Yeah, I agree. Always, whether you're the boss is you know, perfect or not, check out the other employees, ask the question, but take that with a grain of salt too because the fact is if they value their job, they may not tell you the the insider scoop. But Glassdoor, another great place to go to find insider information. And of course, Vicki, using your network and talking to them is another great piece of data. So good luck to you. Um, but run, really, run. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say walk, walk. Or run cautiously. Look behind your shoulder. Make sure. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. I'm Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Julie Cohen, who is the CEO of Work Life Leader. And we are talking all about fall and career change. So there's a number of things that I like to do in the fall um, just to kind of get my career in order. And one of those is really dusting off my LinkedIn and my resume just because I've this is what I tell people to do. So I figure I need to I need to do this as well. So hey, if you have any traditions that you do to tend to your career in the fall or anytime, we'd love to hear from you at one eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So one of the things I did is I went through actually this week and um, walked through all the pieces in my LinkedIn and made some changes and. Um, I also updated my resume. Not that there was that much to update, but it is actually a really, um, it's it's a great process because you start to remember all the things you've done and all of the the people that maybe you have lost contact with. And so what I started doing is I started making a list and I'm going to try and reach out to one person a week just to kind of touch base. Hey, how are you doing? And, um, you know, what are some of the things you do to keep your network strong, Julie? Well, John, I think what you just described is really important. And I think one of the, 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 the errors that a lot of us make is we wait until we need our network to reach out to our network. So, so that exercise in itself, I, I try to do that weekly. You know, when I have a half hour and I don't want to start a new project, I always just look through my LinkedIn, see who my connections that have had new jobs. You know, I don't just click the button that sends them a congratulations note. I actually might send them a personal email acknowledging I've noticed a change. I see you're in a new role. I'd love to hear more about it. Congratulations. You know, 
we haven't talked in a while. So I do think that is is good career management in general is re-engaging. And and there is value of, you know, assessing what have I done this past year? You know, what am I most proud of? Do the right people know about my accomplishments? Uh, again, if I'm currently employed, yeah, my boss may know. Does my boss's boss know? If I'm thinking about moving into another department, another organ, you know, another part of the organization, do other people know what's going on? Are there some folks I might want to sit and have lunch with that I haven't talked to in a while in my organization and outside of my organization? Uh, that's kind of that's managing your career 360, inside and out. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I have to say this is my pet peeve. Um, First off, I believe that that connecting on LinkedIn is a good thing. But please, please, please send a personalized email and don't just use the generic, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. And actually, coincidentally, I was reading an article today that talked about this and 80% of personalized invitations are accepted compared to 20% of the generic, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. And I think that is a huge difference. It takes two seconds to just type in, hey, it was great to meet you at the event last night. I'd love to keep in touch. Or, hey, you know, I, I saw your blog. I think it's really interesting. Thanks for writing anything just to make it more personal and I'm, I'm I'm begging you if you do one thing differently this fall make that it because your networks will go up and this is about building relationships it's not about collecting names on LinkedIn so here's something else that I've seen a lot of this fall Julie which is creating a personal web page and I know a lot of people look at this and say well I don't have my own business or I you know why do I even need that but I'm going to say, I, I think, one, it's easier than you think. I guarantee it. Um, and two, I think it's a great way for you to relate to whether it's an employer or you know other contacts or clients. And I really am going to push this now. I kind of resisted it for a while. I mean, I have one, but I also, you know, that makes sense. But I think everybody should have one. So I think it's a great thing. My son, who is 14 years old, I've already bought his domain name. Nice. So I think eventually he's going to want to have that. So it's his name.com. So when he's 18 or 22, he can, can do that. It's another way to get yourself out there. It, again, it's an exercise of putting your brand out into the world. You, it can start out as a way of displaying your, you know, your professional path, you know, a resume-like document, and if you are becoming a subject matter expert or already are a subject matter expert, you can put a blog component where you can be you know, showing your expertise. So there's no downside to it except, you know, the time and energy that it takes to, to, in, to invest in that. And there's, you know, there's templates and things you can do to get you started and then you can create it and really make it your own. So here, let's make it easy for the guests. Okay, here's where you can go to get a domain name. And your domain name is the, you know, Dr. Don on careers.com. That's my domain name. So go on to GoDaddy. Super simple. Type in your name. See if it's available. Chances are it might not be. So get a little bit creative. But the closer you can get to your name, the better. Now, buying a domain name is super cheap, like $15 or less. It's the the web page that costs a little bit more. But even that doesn't cost that much. Maybe, maybe, what, $60, $70 a, a, a year? 
um, something super cheap and you just need a landing page and there's so many templates that basically you just have to type in your name and, and whatever it is you want on the web page, it makes it as easy as putting together practically a Word document. So here's my challenge to you. If you, you're thinking about how you can tend to your career this fall and some of the things you can do and you're rolling your eyes as I'm talking about networking because you know I'm going to, Try the web page thing. Maybe you have a hobby and you want to do it for your hobby. I mean, try this because I really do think that this is becoming um, the way that another way that employers are looking to find you as a thought leader and just to understand who you are as a person. So so that's going to be my challenge to everybody. Julie, any other thoughts on, on the web page making it easier for listeners? Well, yeah. Again, as you said, I know one of the, the sites that people – that I see people using now that has been very both attractive and easy to use is Wix.com, W-I-X, where there's these really creative templates. They look much more professional than, you know, that you've done it yourself. And you can do some really nice design. And some and, of them are free. Yeah, yeah. And you can, again, to me, it's it's getting, it's your voice. Dawn mentioned earlier about security. You know, organizations, even the best in the world, their loyalty does not lie with employing you. And so the more you can kind of own your skills, display them, and show the value you can add from, you know, subject matter expertise or technological competence, it is, you know, it's a win. Hey, if you've created a personal web page and you want to share with others how easy it is to do and what some of your great tips are, we'd love to hear from you at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Or if you have questions on how to do it, we would love to answer them on Career Talk, but we're going to go to Kira in Rhode Island. Kira, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, so the position I'm in right now, I'm 41. I have two young children, one's in kindergarten, one's in preschool. Um, I My son was diagnosed with like a developmental delay, so I'm taking some time off of my career. It also comes at a time where my company wanted me in downtown Boston and my company just got purchased. So there's a lot of other things. So it was like a perfect time for me to take some time off for my family. So my question to you is, you know, this will be the first time in my career that I will not have a job. I'm a little bit stressed about it. I haven't even like updated my LinkedIn profile that I've left yet because there's a lot of happenings. And I was in like the prenatal genetic area, so there's still a lot of happening going on. So people are constantly, you know, recruiters are constantly calling, and I don't want to kind of step out of my but I already have. So what do I, you know, how do I address it on like LinkedIn or my resume for this like career gap? Because I'm planning on probably a year and maybe even two years out of the workforce to get my kids kind of on into the school system. Yep, you read my mind, Kara. I was just going to ask you how long you were planning on being out of the system. Because seriously, stepping away for a little while it may not even be an impact to your LinkedIn or to your resume. But but here's the thing. Um, I, I want you to, to step away from defining yourself with um, a job at a company. And you've talked about your expertise. And it sounds like you're, you're well known in your space for what you do. And I want you to start thinking about yourself as, did you say prenatal genetic counselor? Is that... Did I get that? Um, well, I'm in the business development side. So I'm not a prenatal genetic counselor, but I'm in that space. Okay. So I want you to start thinking about yourself as an expert, as a thought leader, as a um, as a 
a professional in this space. And you don't necessarily need to be attached to a company or have a specific role in a company. This is who you are. These are your skills you've built up over the last 20 years. And these do not go away when you step away from from the job market. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do is even though you're not with a specific company, that's still your brand. So on your your resume and your, your LinkedIn, I mean, that's still your headline. That's still how you introduce yourself when you are, you're meeting meeting new people when they say, what do you do or where do you work? Even if they say, where do you work? You could just say, well, you know, I'm in business development in the prenatal genetic space. And, you know, this is what I do. So, I mean, I think you really just need to separate yourself from having the identity of being with a company. And over the next year or two, continue to go to if you're a member of a professional association or however else you're involved if you're getting um, maybe you need CEUs or there's other things that you need for your career certifications continue with all of that because the fact is just because you've stepped away from the company doesn't mean you've stepped away from who you are as a professional and honestly one to two years is not even going to be a blip when it comes to the time when you decide hey I'm ready I'm ready to go back Julie what would you um, advise Kira yeah yeah, so everything that Dawn said, you're in a fortunate place. You're being planful, and you have set out, you know, a one to two year window, which will go by, especially with the age of your kids, which will go by very quickly. Is to stay engaged, stay up in the technology, stay up on the industry, stay up with your your colleagues. And, you know, you're just not going to be going day to day into an office or into a client or however it was that you worked. And when, you know, if and when you're ready to go back into more traditional employment, it, this, is a, this is just your story to tell. You never have to be defensive. Oh, what's wrong with me? I took two years off. It's I'm back. You know, I, I haven't lost anything. I'm still a professional. I still have my expertise. And now I'm ready to transition back into this type of work. This is what I'm moving towards. So I would think about where do you see yourself in two to four years? If this is one to two year gap, where do you want to be two to four years? Is that something you've thought of? Um, yes. Absolutely, and I'm and I'm also thinking like, oh my gosh, what if this turns into like a four, yeah, like a four year time gap? Um, you know, I, I mean, who knows what the development of my children will be or what the needs will be in two years? Um, but it, but yes, I've thought of that, and I've thought of the you know the companies that I'd want to work for and and um, that. But are there any things that I need to be thinking about when I am like updating my LinkedIn or resume? to like compensate for this time gap. So I would when, when you talk about compensating again I think you're going back to the fact that this is some kind of negative. And I I really want you to kind of it this is terrifying. Trust me, I know you're you're stepping away from something that has been this probably the center of your world and your identity for a long time and now you're saying okay, I'm I'm stepping away to do something. But here's the thing, Kara, you are stepping away by choice. And you are making the decisions in your life and in your career. And I think you need to embrace that because, one, that that in and of itself is your story. And you get to own that and you get to feel empowered by that. And if 
one year becomes two years becomes four years becomes eight years. So yeah, there's different things that you're going to want to do at different stages of that. But I don't think you necessarily need to worry about, okay, what if it's four years? Because that's going to be perhaps a different answer than because you may decide you want to do something totally different. You may decide you want to do something um, that's that's child related since you uh, talked about, you know, being with your children. So I think what you need to worry about right now is two things. One, this is empowering. This is your choice and you are who you are. And two, continue to do the things that you've always done in business development as a um, prenatal genetic uh, expert. And that is keeping up on all the things you would keep up on, keeping up with your network. So the people you've worked with, the people, your clients, perhaps going to lunch with them, staying in touch with them. If you're getting called by recruiters, that's awesome. Um, You know, talk to them, say, you know, I'm not ready to go in the job market right now, but I'd love to keep in touch. This is, you know, something I'm passionate about and I have expertise in. So all of those things are the same except going to the, you know, eight to five job, I think everything else. And then a year from now, you reevaluate, you say, hey, okay, I think, uh, I think I'm going to do this again for another year, a year from then you evaluate, but I think you're, you're spot on with thinking ahead. Um, We really appreciate you giving us a call on Career Talk. Please let us know how it goes. Hey, if you're tuning in, we're at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we're going to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay, here it is. Students who study in the morning do 30% better on an evening test if they do this during the day. Think you know? We're at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. And welcome back to Career Talk here on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Julie Cohen, who is the founder and CEO of Work Life Leader. And we are talking all about change. It's fall. It's time to dust things off. But before we went to the break, we had our pre-break quiz. So here it is. Students who study in the morning do 30% better on an evening test if they do this during the day. Think you know. Scott and Virginia, what's your guess? Hey, Scott. Yeah, hey, I'm here. Hey, what's your guess? My guess would be if they eat a healthy meal. Ooh, and what would that be, Scott? Um, I would go with uh, brain food. Uh, maybe some protein. <laughs> Brain food. You mean like a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> if you eat some other brains, you're going to do better on the test. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that theory has been tested. But, <laughs> but um, that may border on unethical. No, it actually is not eat a good meal, but we appreciate <sighs> you giving a call, Scott. Thank you for listening to Career Talk. Hey, Rashonda in Tennessee, what's your guess? Hey, I think it's drink coffee. Ooh, drink coffee. So that is a really good guess. And I, th- I could tell you it helps me pretty much in everything in life. But, <laughs> but that is not the right answer to the study. But Rashonda, I know, I know. It's not eating brains and it is not drinking coffee. So thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk, Rashonda. We really appreciate it. So let's see. Um, Julie, you had an interesting answer. That your son uses. Okay, yes. So chew gum. Chew gum. So there's a lot around eating and ingesting. And, and um, I'll tell you, it has nothing to do with eating or ingesting anything. But there is a lot of research that says chewing gum increases the oxygen to the brain. So there's probably something there. But nope, not for this mm. one. Ugh. All right, all right. Dion Michelle, I think you guys had the same answer, so... All right. I've changed mine. Oh. And I, I have another one, too. Oh. But oh, man. I'm, now nobody's going to guess the right answer. <laughs> it's nothing to do with I'm, food. I'm going to stick with my my first answer, and I'm going to say nap. All right. Take a nap. So, so Michelle, you changed your answer. I did. Oh, was that right? All right. You're not going to... You're holding out. Okay. Um, I was going to say visualizing yourself doing well on the test. Ooh. I also have a second answer just in case that one's wrong. Okay. <laughs> What's your second answer? Well, exercise. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. I'm going to say all of those things are pro- have probably been tested to prove um, right in, in helping people do better on tests. Maybe not the eating brains one. And but they're all wrong. Actually, Dion's first answer is right. Oh! It is taking a nap. Woo! I'm, I'm, I'm on a roll. I know. That's, that's, that's two, two, for two. for two. All right. Two for like 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two for 50. But who's counting, Dion? So students who study in the morning do 30% better on evening tests if they've had an hour-long nap. And in related studies, researchers found that adults who napped for about 45 to 60 minutes after learning a new task 
performed about five times better when it came to remembering what they learned. So sleep experts have found that daytime naps can improve many, many things, including increasing alertness, boosting creativity, reducing stress, aiding in weight loss, and reducing the risk of a heart attack. So Here's my question to you. Why are we not doing this at work or at school? Because there's some countries like like China and Spain and Italy who make the afternoon siesta a key part of their their world. I mean, we did it in kindergarten, you know, and we all hated it then. But man, wouldn't we give to to have a 45 I nap. minute nap? I do nap. So why, why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing this in the U.S.? I would love to do that. I mean, I would just crawl under my desk if I could. If I didn't have a shared office space, I would do that in a heartbeat. That's the uh, George Costanza yeah. <laughs> professional <laughs> development school. Exactly. With the little alarm clock in there and everything. But with all of these benefits, too, and I know there's some, some companies like Google, are doing this. Yeah. They actually have sleep pods and, and some things. But, I mean, it's not the norm here. So, hey, if your company embraces the nap We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how many people actually take advantage of this because I I would love to do it. Um, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Hey, if it's Thursday at noon, we are here live taking your calls all hour. And today we're talking about the fact that it's fall and time for change and how to make sure that you are tending to your career. So here's, here's my challenge for you. I know I gave you one before the break, but today I'm all full of challenges. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about where you are now and are you in a situation where you're the least qualified in the room? And I'm not talking about every situation in your life, but are you in a situation right now, whether it's it's professionally, whether you're training for something, um, whether it's a hobby, where you're feeling uncomfortable at least at least once a week? Because here's the thing, if you're not, chances are you're not growing If you don't put yourself into a situation where you might get criticized or you might get (laughs) some constructive feedback or you might make a mistake, you're probably stagnating. So think about this. Think about what situation am I in where I am the least qualified in the room. And if you can't think of one that makes your heart beat a little bit faster when you're you're getting ready to do it, whether that's giving presentations at work, whether that's uh, joining a new team, whether that's that's a, you know learning a new language so that you can you can take an overseas job, whatever it is, if you don't have that going on right now, you have an opportunity this fall to make that happen. So, so Julie, what are your thoughts on that, and and how do you make sure that you're getting that that um, kind of nervous? Maybe anxiety about something because you're it's new to you. Well, so I actually have two sides of that, personally and professionally. So in my work, I do a lot of training. I go into organizations and do leadership development training. And I have people participating in my programs at all levels of experience. Some, you know, some with maybe five to ten years experience, but some twenty to thirty years experience. And sometimes I run into leaders with that kind of with a more extensive experience who review my feedback my presentations and they might say oh I knew all that that was too junior and so my challenge to them is when you think you know it all you're not looking right Mm -hmm. there's something inside you that means you need to go further because the content Whatever it is, whatever it's, if it's a soft skill or even you know a, 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 
a level of experience and content that you know is your area of expertise, there is more. And so you have the opportunity to say, what will be compelling? Where can I expand? And so I think always asking these open-ended questions, what can I do more to either add to my expertise or how can I see things differently, not only helps you have a bigger impact, but it, it, it uses your creativity muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, on a, so that, that those are just some things I always encourage people to, to do. Make sure you're asking open questions of yourself around professional development. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the thing. If you, if you are thinking about this and thinking I have no idea what I can do to put myself in a situation where I'm I'm you know learning something new. We want to hear from you 844-844-942-7866 because we want to help you get there. If I, there's a great quote that I love Julie which is if if you're not getting criticized you're probably not doing much and that's kind of harsh to hear because it it, it a lot of us hate criticism but I think it's a gift. I think it really is hard to hear, but oftentimes it means that you're in a situation where you're stretching yourself. So here's a question that I got that's kind of around this, but somebody asked me, hey, should I be interviewing if I'm not seriously looking for a job? And I think that obviously like all career questions has an it depends, but I, I certainly have an opinion. What do you think, Julie? As, as when you asked the question, Dawn, people didn't get to see me i tilted my head to joy joy had her it it depends it It depends depends. (laughs) look there's there's value of staying current staying comfortable knowing your story and practicing it i think there's some risk involved going into an interview process knowing you're not going to take that job especially if it's a future employer so, you know, if you put a gun to my head and said, should I do it or shouldn't I, getting some experience is great. And stay, you know, keeping your resume fresh and being out there is positive. So if you pushed me, I'd say give it a go. But I would always have a caveat. Yeah. So I totally think you should be doing this, not on a daily basis, of course, and seriously not, don't go to eight interviews in a company. But if you, if a recruiter reaches out to you or, you know, you see a job that you could potentially be interested in, I say go for it because it does a couple of things. One, if you're kind of on the fence in your job, you might learn, hey, the grass isn't greener uh, out there and it can really help you feel more fulfilled and find opportunities in your current job. But sometimes you never know. Sometimes you have some conversations and you realize that there are opportunities. And you know what? Even if you decide not to take it, a lot of people feel like, oh, I don't want to waste their time if I'm not serious about it. And here's the thing. You really don't know till you talk to them. And the flip side is they may not be serious about you until they get to know you. So they're they're interviewing a lot of candidates. I think one of the on the do side is it's really important to understand your market value from from a salary standpoint you, all of the looking of you know salary.com and you know reading looking at salary you know ranges is great and getting a check in on how valuable am i if if i've been in a position for 5 years and i've had my you know x percent raise Am I worth more out there? So it is a way to assess. 
Mm-hmm. I've always encouraged people who work for me if they have an opportunity to go interview because I want to say if you want to if you, there's something else that's going to make you happier, that's where I want you to be. Um, nine times out of ten, they realize that they they've had it pretty good. So I think that is a, a very worthwhile practice. And so it's fall. A lot of people are sending their kids back to school, and a lot of adults are wondering, hmm, should I go back to school? So, hey, if it's Thursday, you're listening to Career Talk. We're taking your calls all hour, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So this is an interesting question. A lot of people truly go back to school because they're, they're bored or because they know they want to do something different, and school seems like a really structured way to to, to move forward in that Um my thought is that school does not necessarily change um, what you want it to change. I'm a big advocate of it. I certainly have gone through a lot of school myself, but I think your reasons and your motives have to be sound. What are your thoughts on that for the people who are considering going back to school as adults? Well, again, commenting on following up on something you said earlier about you know if you're feeling stagnant or bored in general, formal education obviously can assess that and help that. And there's a lot of other things that you can do. So if you're investing in formal education, going back to school, whether it's for a degree or a certification program, I think you really need to understand the cost benefit. If you're going back because you want to do something new and you're not sure what it is, I would encourage people to to look at other experiences that give them that feeling. I know for me, one of the things that's on my It's not really a bucket list, but it's a skill development list that is very unrelated to what I do. Well, not completely unrelated, but I'm thinking about taking a class in improv theater. It's something that scares me a bit and that I like, but it would have me use new muscles and use my brain differently and build my, you know, competence in speaking in front of large rooms. So it, uh, it, it does a lot of things. So don't necessarily assume that it has to be you know, something traditional. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get out of your comfort zone. Here's what I say about people who ask me about going back to school. Um, if they're in this process of searching for a job and they think the letters at the end of their name are going to help. Guess what? At the end of those two years or whatever it is, you still have a job search ahead of you. So it's not necessarily going to change the the process of networking and all the other things that you need to do. So do give if you're if you love it and you're interested in learning or it's critical to the career path you're choosing, have at it. But if it's a it's a distraction for two years, really sit down with a career coach or somebody who can advise you on that because it's it's a lot of work to go through to come out on the other side and not get what you want. So, stretching outside your your comfort zone that's another one of my pieces of advice for fall. Practice twenty seconds of courage, and I love that. And it's it's from that movie that I um, we bought a zoo or something um, with Matt Damon. But practice twenty seconds of courage, and if you think about 20 seconds of courage it could be asking your boss for a raise it could be speaking up in that meeting and getting your point across it could be um, you know talking to that new person at a networking meeting or going up to the speaker after and just introducing yourself those 20 seconds of courage can change your life in so many areas so that's my other challenge for you we've got a lot of them but challenge number three I think 
Go out there and ask yourself every day, what, how can I practice 20 seconds of courage today? Because guess what? It's like a muscle. The more you use it, the easier it becomes. Your comfort zone stretches, which is an awesome thing. So we talked about a lot of things, Julie, and fall is a great time for people to make changes. Some of the other questions that are coming up in terms of what should I do is, you know, I'm really thinking about doing something. I don't know what I would do, but should I get a career coach? And how do I even go about picking one? So what are your thoughts on picking a career coach? When you think about investing in a career coach, it's important that you understand what you want. So people work with career coaches for a variety of reasons. It could be a more traditional way. I want to change jobs. I need to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. How do I go from this job to this role? Or it could be, how do I design my work and life to be more aligned with how I want to live it? So before you go out and hire someone, you need to know what you want from that process. And then I always advise people, find three people, um, three qualified credentialed coaches who have you know, training and experience and Pretty much every coach will have some type of either complimentary consultation or conversation, you know, a 20 to 30 minute um, discussion with you to help you understand how they can support you. And all things being equal, it's important besides the, the training and experience and great client testimonials, when you're talking to that person, you need to know, is, is this someone that I trust and is this someone I'm comfortable sharing, you know, pretty personal things so they can support me. So there is a kind of a, a, an it factor when you're making a decision with all things being equal. So those are a lot of things to, to think about. But I always encourage, even if it's highly recommended from, you know, a friend or a colleague, talk to more than one coach. So I, one of the things you said, I want to point out, I think, qualified ethical career coaches will give you a free consultation, whether it's 15 minutes or a half hour. I think that is something that's pretty critical because like you said, you have to connect with them. Um, So that is something I'd look at. And some of them have the, uh, you know, pay $30 for the consultation and I'll go towards your your first session and things like that. But I do think that it's important for for us as career coaches as well to connect with the client in some cases. Correct. I will. Sometimes I've gotten emails. Can I want to work with you? When can we start? And my response is we both need to check each other out. Mm -hmm. Let's put aside 20 minutes for a conversation. So and I will say this, depending on your situation, it may feel like like a big investment. Um, but I will I will tell you, if you're really struggling with where you want to go or what you want to do, or you've been in a job search for a while and you're not getting any bites, I think it's a well worth investment. And um, obviously I'm biased, but that's what I'm going to say. So three challenges came out of today's show, Julie. And I'm going to repeat those because I think for those of you who are sitting there wondering how you can get your career on track for the fall, even if things are going swimmingly, these three things are going to help. One, get your website. Get your personal website up. It's it's a great way to understand all of the, the skills you bring to the table and your brand. Two, find a situation where you're the least qualified in the room, whether you're, you're doing improv or you're speaking at a meeting or you're joining a new team where you don't know as much as the other ones. 
Put yourself out of your comfort zone because then you know you're growing. And the last one is practice 20 seconds of courage every day. There might be a situation that can change your life in those 20 seconds. So do it and see how it changes things. So Julie, the time has flown by. How can people reach you? Well, you can always reach me at my email, julie at worklifeleader.com, or please find me in LinkedIn. And if you send me an invitation, as Dawn said, make sure you tell me how you how you know me, that you heard me here, and I'll look forward to connecting. 80% more acceptance rates if you make it personalized. Do it. So thank you, Julie, for, for being on Career Talk today. Thank you to all of our listeners and callers and our dream team, Michelle and Dion. Dion with the pre-break quiz win. Hey, if you want more great information, you can follow my blog on drdongram.com or dawnoncareers.com and We will see you next time. You've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111.